Good morning. We're glad you are uh, with us today. Uh, we are wrapping up a collection of sermons uh, in which uh, we've titled the Illustrations of Jesus. Uh, how many of you uh, just kind of wave your hands online and in the room? How many of you have been enjoying this collection and the study of God's Word? Yeah, absolutely. We, I know I've really enjoyed diving into the parables that Jesus has been telling and uh, been finding them really practical and helpful. And that's always a goal of ours here as a church to help you grow not only in your understanding, but in your faith as we learn how to live it out and apply it every which way. So if you have your Bibles, join me at Luke chapter 12. Luke 12 is where we'll be here in a minute. I want to start by asking you a question. Now, this is an introspective question. I I don't expect you to shout the answer or to type it into the chat. Uh, I don't want you to do that, but I want you just for a minute to be, give yourself permission to be honest with yourself. And I want you to answer this question kind of in your own mind and in your own heart. And I want you to finish this statement, if you will. Finish this sentence. When I was growing up, money was blank. How would you finish that sentence? Just think for a minute. When I was growing up, money was blank. Money was blank. All right, here's another one. I want you to think about it. Some of you are like, man, Pastor, we're already getting deep. Can we like get off the psychology couch for a minute? In just a minute, I'll let you off the counseling couch. But right now, one, one more. My biggest concern regarding money is blank. How would you fill that in? Just think about it. Think about it. My biggest concern regarding money is is blank. Now, today, I I want to be really, really sensitive. There, there are two subject matters that nobody wants a pastor to talk about. They don't want the pastor can talk about just about anything in the Bible except for two areas that people want the pastor to stay out of their bank account and out of their bedroom. Two areas they're like, no, pastor, let's talk about everything but those two, those two things. Today we are going to talk a little bit about money. In fact, the title of today's message is Money Matters. Money Matters. Money Matters. We're going to talk about this here. And here's here's why. Because uh, many people, many, many people wrestle and they have questions and they have wonderings. and, and, And we're living in a time in our life where Things seem like they're getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and and it's like the dollar doesn't go as far as we thought that it would or it should. And and here's the other reality is that there are the two main reasons people get divorced in our country. The The number one and the number two reason, are you ready for it? Money and sex. The, the two biggest reasons, 39% of marriages in America end in divorce. And the number one and number two reasons for those things going in that direction are fights about money and stress and debt and intimacy-related issues. Either a lack of satisfaction or an extracurricular activity around such a topic. Two reasons that lead couples to have more strife than any other reason. Did did you know that 38% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck? 18% consistently spend more money 
than they actually make. 18% of us spend more money than what we actually, we actually make. 61% of Americans cannot pay for a $2,000 emergency right now. 3.999 trillion dollars is tied up in consumer debt in the United States. 58% of Americans have statistically less than $1,000 in their, in their bank account. Money matters. Money matters. Let's talk a little bit about money matters. Now, now I told you a minute ago, I'm going to be real, real, I want to be very, very sensitive to this. Because I know uh, for some people, you, you, you've been in a church environment and you've maybe felt taken advantage of or manipulated. Or, or you, you feel like, uh, man, this is all God wants. And we have this, this perception that I believe is incorrect. But we have a perception that like, God's just after my money. The church just wants my money. The preacher just wants my money. All these things are wrong. And there's an American gospel. And it's all about money, 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 money. And, and it's just to manipulate. And, and, and I just want to put you at ease. For over two years now as a church, we don't even pass a bucket in our Sunday services. There have been months people have attended our church and have been like, um, how do we give? Like, do you do offerings around here? Because, like, I've been coming for a couple of months and, like, I don't, we don't ever talk about that. Like, what, what's happening here? And some of that has been very, very intentional on our part, uh, mainly out of obedience that we felt the Lord was leading us in and and uh, a couple years ago, we just kind of took a step of faith and said, if you want to give, there are boxes available in the room. You can give if you want. We have online giving available. You can give if you want. But we are not going to compulse you, manipulate you, twist your arms, or make it something that we talk about every single day. And it's not wrong to do any one of those things. We just have made a decision that we're going to live above board and live with a pure and clean heart as it relates to all of these things, but the reality is statistics will tell us that money does matter to us. And we want to talk about it today in an honoring way and in a truthful way and to look at the, the words that Jesus has to say about money because here's the reality. Any place in our life we are unwilling where we refuse to allow Jesus access, any place in our life we refuse to allow Jesus to be Lord of, is an area in our life we will not thrive in God's abundance. Jesus said, I want to give you an abundant life. That's not just a certain number of zeros in your bank account. That's a holistic flourishing in every area of your life. In other words, he wants your stress level to be low. He wants your margin to be full. He wants your joy to be complete. He wants your peace to be always there. He wants your, your life to flourish in any area. But any topic, anything where we say, no, Jesus, you don't have access to tell me what to do here, is an area in your life you will not thrive. And you will not flourish to the level that God wants you to. And you will not experience God's fullness in that space of your life. The reality is Jesus talks a ton about money because Jesus knew that money matters. Money matters to our heart. Money matters to our everyday life. Money matters. Did you know that there are 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith? I think we would say faith is pretty important. Kind of the, the bedrock of a lot of things. There are 500 verses about prayer in the Bible. 
Prayer matters. We believe in it. It's kind of central to who we are. But did you also know that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible specifically about money? Now, we wouldn't say that money is more important than faith. And money certainly isn't more important than, than prayer. Yet, it's talked about 2,000 different times. One out of every 10 verses in the New Testament actually has to do with, with money. 25% of Jesus' teachings connect to the subject of finances. Why? Because Jesus knows that we need to know that money matters. That there are matters as it relates to money that impact every area of our life, specifically our hearts. And that's why Jesus told some parables as it relates to money. In fact, we're going to look at one today in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Luke 12. Starting in verse 13, and I hope you've got some things to take notes on. I, I don't want you just to take notes on the, the things that we say or the main points, but I, I want to encourage you to take notes today on the things that the Holy Spirit is kind of highlighting in your life. What's he saying to you specifically? Take some time to write those things down today. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13, this is, this is, this is how it goes. It says this, someone in the crowd said to him, meaning Jesus, teacher, would you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? Hey, Jesus, would you tell this guy to give me some of that money? Would you tell him to give me some of that? I mean, we are brothers after all. And Jesus responds, man, who appointed me judge and arbiter between you? I love Jesus. like, hey, bro, I ain't getting in the middle of that. That's your business. But yet he presses all the further. Then he said this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I'll just build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus. I lost my place. Verse 19. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Time to kick it easy for a little while. You've got it made. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then all who get what you have prepared, then who will get what you have prepared for just yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves. But is not rich towards God. Jesus does not say that he who has a lot stored up is a fool. That is not what Jesus just said. Jesus says when it comes to money, what matters is not that you do or you don't store it up, but that you don't store it up in such a way that causes you to not be good and rich towards God. In other words, what matters most isn't the amount, but rather the direction with your heart. What, what matters most isn't 
saving up and being frugal or, or saving up and creating a good return. He, he's not even calling him fool because he had a good harvest. He's perhaps calling him a fool because he had a good harvest and he thought it was all according to his own deeds and strength and ability. Let's dive into this just a little bit. And I want to give you a couple thoughts today to help us understand money matters and money matters as it relates and reflects to the truth of God's word. When it comes to money matters, don't be fooled. Greed is a sin. When it comes to money matters, do not be fooled. Greed is a sin. Now, that word sin that we use often, it's, a, it's actually an archery term, which means to miss the mark. It misses the mark. Greed in our hearts and in our lives misses the mark to what God intended as it relates to the money matters of your life. It misses the mark. It, it's off. To, to miss the bullseye when it relates to money as it relates to greed, God says that's a sin. It, it misses the mark. It misses the bullseye. It misses how we do it. Greed is, is really about having a wrong scorecard. Greed is about having a wrong scorecard to where you think amassing more makes you matter more. That's greed. Greed is, is having the wrong scorecard to where we think that if we hoard all for ourselves and refuse to be kind and generous to others, refusing that, that's, that's greed. That's greed. That's greed. Greed is often about hoarding things because we're living based on fear. Greed isn't about amount of money. See, you can be greedy and have not a lot of money just as easy as you can be greedy and have a lot of it. Greed is an equal opportunity polluter. It will pollute your heart no matter the size of your bank account. Greed is coming for your heart. And Jesus says, watch out. Be aware. All kinds of greed is trying to creep in. Remember, friends, being rich was not why Jesus called him a fool. He, he called him a fool because he was greedy and lacked the knowledge to understand what the purpose of money really was. He misunderstood the matters of money. He, he, he didn't get a hold of the thought that, that if I just gain more for me and I just consume, consume, consume and it's all for me and it's all my fun and it's all this and it's all that is just for me, 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 me. Greed gets in there and he says that's wrong. You have the wrong heart on the matter of your money. The reality is greed impacts all of us. Greed can be both stingy and it can be envious to envy what isn't yours is to allow greed to begin to have root in your heart to be stingy with what it is that you have and to think that that you own what it is that you have that's where greed begins to grow in our hearts and jesus says you've got to look out for all kinds of greed it, it impacts you the bible talks uh, about um, this word, in fact, in Luke 16, it talks about it as well, where, where Jesus tells another parable about money. And at the end of it, he says, you can't serve both God and mammon or money. Mammon is this spirit, this attitude, this heart that is prevalent 
end then, and it is still alive today. Mammon makes decisions based on fear and greed. I think a lot of times what you would look at your life and you'd say, oh, pastor, I'm not, I'm not really greedy. I don't have much. In fact, I'm very, very frugal. I use everything that I've got, and I, I, I make sure nothing goes wasted, and I'm very, very frugal, pastor. I think sometimes what we call frugality is actually just fear. How many times have you said to yourself, oh, no, 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 don't, don't throw that away. I might need it one day. 20 years later, it's still sitting in your garage below three more feet of other things. Conviction is hitting the second row. It's like, I, I, I don't want to get rid of it because I'm afraid that if I need it and I don't have it, I won't be able to get it again. And what if? It's actually motivated out of fear. It's not motivated out of good stewardship. And what happens is we just hoard things and we gather things and we, we refuse to let things go because we have this fear driving us and it clutters up our lives to where we cannot live simply and purely trusting God. There, there comes a point in our life I remember there was a point a few years ago, even with my wife and I, we, we really started to pay, pay real close attention to how we responded to, to certain requests from our kids. Where we really try, and we're not great at it, but we keep trying to build this pattern and habit into our lives to where if they want to do something, rather than saying, no, we can't afford that, which then leads them to believe that we don't have something that somebody else might have, so then they live in this comparison world between the haves and the haves-nots and who can and who cannot. And they start developing this heart in their life that says, well, if we don't have it, well, I guess we're not as special as so many other people and so many other things. And, and it develops this wrong sense of greed and envy and jealousy in our own hearts. And, and ultimately, it's a poverty mentality that says, well, I don't have it. And, and instead, we, we trying to rephrase and say, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to choose to spend our money on that today. Because the reality is we do have money, and we could spend it. We could choose not to pay the water bill and instead buy that. We could choose that. We have the money. The choice is we're not going to use our money in that way. And we're trying to retrain our thoughts because we don't want a poverty mentality to grow in our hearts and our minds. Nor do we want to allow poverty to set in in our minds and have so much that we become stingy and refuse to be generous and refuse to live in a life where we're just going to build more barns and build bigger and have more and more and more. And what is the point, Jesus says, to gain everything that you would want materially but lose what matters most? Watch out, he says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist. Life doesn't flourish because you have an abundance of possessions, he says. Watch out. Greed is a sin. On the same hand, I think demanding for distribution is often just simply selfishness that greed is charading in terms of fairness. I don't believe that to be the case either. 1 Timothy 6 says it like this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Somebody say great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we get to take nothing out of it. Those who want to get rich can fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that can plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, they are eager for money. And they've wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, greed will tempt you to cut corners. Greed will tempt you to burn relational bridges. Greed will tempt you to manipulate others' opinions. Greed will cause you to pursue, pursue everything. And it all leads to a dead end in your life. Hear me, friends. Remember, Jesus didn't call him a fool because he had money. Jesus called him a fool because he was greedy. And they are not synonymous. They're not. Just because somebody has been walking in the blessing of God and they've stewarded what God has given them and they've lived wisely doesn't mean they are automatically greedy. And just because you don't, somebody might not have money doesn't mean you automatically aren't greedy. Watch out because it'll tempt you. You will cut corners. You will lie about coworkers. You will manipulate people's opinion about yourself so that you appear more important than you really are. You will pose and do all sorts of things because something in your heart matters. And it's your attachment and perspective and handling of money. This is why Solomon in all of his wisdom said, I've come to the end of my life. And King Solomon was not only the wisest man to ever live, he is and will be probably the forever wealthiest person to ever live. The fortune he amassed was amazing because the wisdom that God gave him was phenomenal. And everything he touched, it just kept multiplying and growing. And the amount of money that Solomon had was crazy. And as a result, he, um, he, uh, he did not neglect or avoid any pleasure. If he wanted it, he went after it. If he liked it, he bought it. If he saw her and he wanted her, he went after her. He denied himself no pleasure in life. And he says, I've come to the end of my life and all of these things, it's just vanity. It's just smoke. It's just a vapor. I brought nothing into this world and when I leave, I'm going to take none of it with me. It's all just chasing after the wind. The Bible says that above all else, guard your heart. So the question is, how do we guard our hearts against this greed? Let me, let me tell you what I, I believe the Bible teaches. The guard against greed is generosity. The guard against to your own selfishness is willing to serve someone else. The guard against greed is a habit and a pattern and a consistency of generosity. Developing a muscle and, and a pattern and a habit of generosity in your life. Proverbs says that the world of the stingy, the greedy, it gets smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous, oh, it gets larger and larger and larger, why? Because you will never be more blessed than when you live generously. You can never outgive God, and you can never be more generous than God wants to be generous towards you. His very nature is that of a generous, good, giving, benevolent God. Greed wants you to increase your standard of living. 
while generosity looks to increase your standard of giving. In every season of your life, when you experience the increase in your life, when, when you recognize that God is blessing you, you can either increase your standard of living or you can increase your standard of giving. The world of the generous always is larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Number two, I want you to see this today. When, when it comes to money matters, when it comes to money matters, don't be fooled. Wealth comes from God. We, we need to understand that greed is a sin. We got to get that right in our hearts and guard against it with generosity. But we don't need to miss this fact that when it comes to money matters, don't be fooled. Wealth comes from God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 17 says, you, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have made and produced this wealth for me. But remember, it was the Lord your God. For it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth. So confirms his covenant, which he swore to our ancestors to this day. Don't be fooled. It's not your good looks, your charm, your skill, or your wit, or your good luck that brought you wealth. It is God's ability through you. You're like, well, I'm the one who worked hard. I planted the crops. I did those things. Who sent the rain? Who, who created seed, time, and harvest to begin with? Who, who was it who gave breath in your lungs? Who was it who gave you the brain that you have and the ability? Who was it who opened doors that no one can shut and closes doors no one can open? Who is it who does that? It is God. So don't be fooled. Money doesn't mean you matter more. Money just simply means that God is a good God. And it is he who has given you the ability to build wealth. So how do we go from taking all of the credit? How do we guard our hearts against this idea that it's just us and ours and our ability and it belongs to us? And how do we shift to thinking that it belongs to God? Well, here's how we guard against that. The guard against self-sufficiency is gratitude. The guard for your heart, for what matters as it relates to money, is not living with an idea that says I am self-sufficient in my own. But the guard against your self-sufficiency, you're trying to control and manipulate, you living with only the results of your own hands, the guard against self-sufficiency is a heart and a life of great gratitude. Someone who says, God, thank you. Nowhere in this parable did the man say, oh my goodness, look, all of my crops, they're, they're, they're performing way better than I ever thought they would. Like, it wasn't even the fertilizer I used this last time. It wasn't any of that. It's not the amazing soil. It's not my good luck. I, I haven't, knock on wood, not messed it up yet. It's none of those things. It's actually God. And that's why God said, you're a fool. Because you think this is all for you and because of you. And you are both greedy and self-sufficient 
you're a fool. And because what you have, it's going to be taken away. There's another parable Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16 of a, of a manager who has a, uh, who, who is sent to steward some money. And the owner of everything comes and says, um, you are actually not managing this well. You have misunderstood what matters as it relates to this. You think that this is yours to do whatever you want with, and you are not managing this well. And so I'm going to fire you and take everything back. And so before he gets fired, he runs to all of his accounts, and he starts acting benevolent and generous. And he says, what do you owe? What do you owe my master? Oh, go ahead and cut that in half. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. You are such a generous person. He's like, no, no worries. I'm glad I could do this. Have you ever found that it's really easy to be generous with somebody else's money? It's like, here, let me help you spend that real fast, all right? Like, we have great practice ever since we're little and our kids. As a child, we're like, oh, let me help my parents spend some money. I got some ideas, mom and dad. Like, it's really easy to spend somebody else's money. And so the, the manager goes, and he goes to another account. What do you need? Oh, what do you owe my master? Oh, cut that in half. Oh, cut that in half. Cut that in half. And Jesus says, man, this guy is shrewd, and you should be more like him. As followers of me, you need to be more like this guy who understands that what you are doing and what you are stewarding is not yours. It's actually God's. Friends, it's really easy to be generous and grateful when you recognize that it's not yours to begin with. What matters most when it comes to money is it's not yours. It's God's. He's the one who gives you the power to to have wealth. So choose to live generously and with great gratitude. 1 Timothy 6 says this, command those, listen to the the imperative on this, command those who are rich in this present world. Some of you are like, oh, yep, that's not me, that's somebody else. Pastor, you know what tax bracket I'm in? I'm I'm not that one, that's not me. Do you know I've got 27 kids? That cannot be me, like that that ain't happening. Pastor, have you seen the car I drive? No, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. But let's take this present day. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. Do you realize that just because you live in America, you're already in the richest of the world? Many of you have carports, places to park your car under. Whether or not you stack other things under that, that's your business and stewardship. But you have a place for a car to sit and park and to be protected from the weather. Most people are still walking everywhere. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Don't miss this next part. Nor put their hope in wealth. Friends, do not put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in the markets. As an American, don't put your hope in the economy. Whether it's performing well or not. Put your hope in God. He goes on to say, don't don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, God doesn't have a problem blessing you. And you enjoying the blessings that he's given you. 
You don't need to feel guilty about being blessed. You need to be grateful about the blessings that you have and choose to not be greedy on the flip side. God doesn't have a problem with you enjoying the things of this world. He just doesn't want you to bow down and worship it as an idol in your life because that's what matters when it comes to the money that you have. Command them, the rich and who are present world, this is us. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Just be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, when you recognize that there's been some stuff put in your hands, not, not great compared to somebody else, but you recognize what's in your hand is a great blessing. Instead of controlling it and grabbing it and just hoarding it, he says, Choose to live open-handedly with it as a generous, grateful person. Live open-handed with it as a, as a person who's grateful and, and is generous. And keep your hands open and be willing to share. Don't, don't try and hoard it and close your hands to it. No, live, live open-handed with it. Because it's not yours to begin with. It's not mine to begin with. What matters when it comes to money, is that we are generous and we are grateful. We are generous and we are grateful. And when we live like this, we can do good and bring honor and glory to our King. I love that we are a church who has chosen to live and lead the way in joyful generosity and faith-filled stewardship. Did you know that as a church, every time you give to the church, as, as people who are here, as, every time you give to the church, every time you give to Faith Church, 10% of everything that is given undesignated, we turn around and collectively as a group, we give away in local and global missions and outreach for the glory of God. It's what we do. Every, every month, 10% of everything that's come in undesignated, we turn right around and give out. What do we do with that? You know what we do? We get to do things like invest $20,000 into our local schools so that 800 kids at two different elementary schools can have all of the school supplies that they need this year. You did that. Did you know that 64% of those children, it represented of 800, 64% of that number, receive free or reduced lunches. In other words, they are below a certain level to which our government and our society would say there's a poverty line. Those are the lives that you're getting to impact when you live generously and with great gratitude. Not, not only that, but we, we were able on top of that uh, just this last week uh, to, to invest $1,500 in gift cards to send to children and, and youth in our church that we have record of them being a part of our church, we know who they are, we were able to send them a gift card in the mail to help provide their school supplies as well because they're not receiving that blessing from those other two schools. They go to different schools. You got to do that and take care of each other. We get to support places like the Beacon here in town who on average 
give food to 250 families on average every month. And, and so far in the last couple months during this season, uh, they have been able to give away every week an additional 480 20-pound boxes of fresh produce to anybody in our community who needs that. You got to be a part of that. When you give and you're a part, we got to be a part of that. We got to send over $5,000 to a Celsi in Guatemala, our, one of our, our global partners. And because of that, they, they, they've had to discontinue receiving people on their premise. And, and there were children who needed vital nutrients and milk and mothers who needed formula to feed their babies. And because of you and your generosity and choosing to do good and living open-handed, we've been able to save the lives of children who wouldn't have had anything, but because of their good deeds and your generosity, they are living today. This is what it means to be a people who say, we're going to live open-handed. We're, we're going to avoid greed and we're going to live with generosity. We're not going to live self-sufficiently thinking it's just about us and live selfishly. No, we're going to live with gratitude and recognize that it is God. It is God, it is God, it is God. Perhaps one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave what was most precious to him, his son, so that any of us who choose to believe in his son don't have to perish, but we could have life because of the generosity of our God. When you live with generosity and you live with gratitude towards God, you become a walking billboard for our great God to the world around you. Your good deeds, your generosity, it, it lives in such a way that other people see that you are a living billboard for a God who chooses to be generous himself. He gave. Friends, that's why we gather at the Lord's table. When we get to take of the juice and we get to take and receive of the bread, the only reason we get to receive is because Jesus decided to give. You are most like your Father in heaven when you choose to take what God has given to you and give it away. When we take the forgiveness that God has given us through, the, through his blood, which represented by the juice, and we give forgiveness away to somebody else, somebody else gets to experience the generous forgiveness of God. When we get to take of the healing and the, and the wholeness of God that's represented in the bread, and we take it and we receive it, then we walk out as whole people, helping other people find wholeness and safety and satisfaction in God. What? We are living a billboard before our him and all we do and all we say and that's what we come to do today would you take the elements and just for a minute pause and in your heart ask God God is there any greed growing in my heart God is there any sense of ungratefulness growing have I have I started to be self-sufficient thinking it's mine to do and mine to fix or 
God, have I recognized with gratitude that it's really you at work in my life? Would you just take a minute and examine your heart? Lord, today we take these elements in our hand. Lord, we're so thankful that we get to receive of your generosity, your body, which was broken, your blood, which was poured out, so that we could be united with you. Lord, we're grateful for it. During the last meal, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this, remembering with gratitude what I'm doing for you. Let's remember with a grateful heart his body. And that same meal, he took this cup and he lifted it up towards heaven. He says, this is the cup of a new covenant. Represents my blood, which is going to be shed for you. Every time you drink this cup, do it remembering me. That your sins are forgiven and you are made whole. Let's receive it today with gratitude. Now, Lord, today, may we, your people, make a decision to guard against greed by being generous and to guard against self-sufficiency this week by choosing to be grateful. And in so doing, may we proclaim your good news to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.